What do you do? A delusional soccer podcast. A soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association is the fake definition for footy you do that we made up. I like it. I like the honesty, the transparency. That's what uh, all good journalism needs, you know? Yeah. Recalling this journalism. I was about to ask. It's a stretch. I mean, you, you went to school for for it so i mean uh i went to school for communications with a focus in general media um so i don't want is that the is that the specifics of what you went to school it for? is That's, it absolutely that is. is that is awful stockton university is a garbage mm-hmm. trash waste of money trash 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 um so we're we're going to talk uh Mostly today about the Women's World Cup. I'm going to touch on the Gold Cup as well, looking at um, the recent results for the U.S. women's and men's national teams. Now, the U.S. uh, yesterday uh, got their spot in the quarterfinal by beating Spain a bit controversially. 2-1, two penalties scored by Megan Rapinoe. Um, So, first off, Good that they're in, but they really kind of just squeaked by in this one. Um, but a, a good Spain team that actually uh, tested the U.S., which I, I actually like to see. Which they, they needed a little bit more of a test than they had gotten in the group stage before going up against France in this quarterfinal. So it was good that they got something. Um, what were your, uh, your thoughts on their performance against Spain? Um, I mean, it was it was rough going a bit. I I actually had thought about um, tweeting. For, I had a ba- I had a bad feeling about the game all morning. I was thinking about going onto the the Twitter account and and posting a delusion that I think Spain were gonna come away with a victory and shock the United States. That was that was gonna be my delusion. Uh, and going into the game, then of course, like my mind was eased early on with that penalty, but then there was that mistake afterwards that that let Spain back into the game, and that's when I started to really feel like maybe I I was right. Um, but I mean, once Spain got back into it, at least for the first half, the U.S. they were they were pretty dominant. They they created a lot of chances. It was just more down to I think being clinical in front of goal. Uh, and, you know, it got more worrying as time went on that they were unable to score because, you know, obviously the way the game is going to work is Spain are going to hold strong, but then they're going to try and work their way back into the game as it goes on. The U.S. can't apply that sort of pressure completely throughout, not with the way um, these other teams are improving. And like you said, it's great to see. Um, you know, there's been some, there's been quite some really good advancements in European football and uh, international football in the women's game, which is great to see. And the U.S. aren't going to be able to just walk over everyone again. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite part about um, about this Women's World Cup so far. It seems like there's more of a chance, um, maybe not quite for those lo- lower-level uh, teams like like the U.S.-Thailand result. You're still getting a, a big lopsided result, which... Um, you know, years down the road, hopefully that's going to change. But 
you look at it, the first um, the first four teams that had clinched their spot in the in the quarterfinal all European, which is um, shows that they're you know putting a little bit more focus on on the women's game, which is which is good to see, and I think that you know it's more they're you know using this this women's world cup to to further the game for the women's side and you know i just like seeing that um you know we're talking right now italy and china are currently in the 40th minute as we record um italy has a 1-0 lead over china and then at three o'clock today the netherlands are going to face off against japan who has made the last two world cup finals um so and that that's a that's a very good Netherlands team, in which the uh, all-time leading scorer for Netherlands um, is only 22 years old, but has already scored I think 65 goals. Um, so it's it's going to to be interesting to see if Japan can get through that test. You know they yeah. had a, a a win, loss, and draw in the group stage only four points but um you know i back to this to the u.s spain game um the u.s is getting tested and they're going to get tested like they never have before even if even if it's against teams that they have faced off against like they played sweden in the group stage um u.s sweden is the most played fixture in women's world cup history um i want to say they've played in each of the last three World Cups, if not more. Um, and it always proves to be a tough test, but the U.S. got through it. Now, going up against the Spain side, the U.S. obviously the favorite. Going up against France in the quarterfinal, though, I, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure that that's gonna, it's going to go all that well for, for the U.S. Um, I think this France side, not only are they one of the top teams in the tournament, but the, the home field advantage is going to be massive for France. If they get it. Um, because, I mean, the the United States fan uh, fan base in this World Cup has been pretty incredible. I mean, you look at, I think their, the U.S.'s first game, I believe it was the Thailand game that they played at the Parc de Prince, um, actually sold more tickets than the World Cup opener. So it could be relatively even um, uh, in that in that quarterfinal matchup, but I mean we'll see. Obviously, the comfortability of playing in your home country uh, has its benefits, but it also could come with you know sort of pressure. I think it's going to be a really good game. You look back at like um, the, their past three meetings. I believe France has there was a draw, and France has two victories in the past three games they've played each other. Uh, and you talk about the the uh, European teams that are, are really improving in the women's game. I mean, we France and Germany, they've sort of been around for a little bit. Uh, Sweden it has been around a little bit as well. Uh, but you also like yeah, like you said, like Italy, they're right now they're if that result stands, they're gonna they're gonna move on. They look they've looked pretty impressive. England has made um, nice uh, nice movement, you know, for in the game the past couple of years and tournaments and and the netherlands are an exciting team i think they're probably going to be the favorites going into that game against japan uh so it's going to be heavily european moving forward as of course with the the powerhouse that is 
is the United States. And um, I'm looking at the win probability right now for the France-U.S. quarterfinal. Um, the win probability is 41% for the U.S., 30% for France, and then 29% um, is a draw. But uh, this win probability is set up for the 90-minute period. Um, so obviously, if it lands in that draw spot, we go to extra time, which I don't think the U.S. want. Um, I feel like a game. No, but again, neither, game against neither the do host. France. Yeah, I I I understand, but the, a game against the host, even even with the U.S. and their history of late goals at a World Cup and in in the uh, Olympics, um, they've done it before. But I feel like the further this game goes, um, the higher chance of France France winning it because. You know, you got tired legs. And, you know, you're right. The The U.S. has been very well supported. Um, but if this goes the way it should as far as attendance is, and uh, the France should have the majority in this at the Parc de Prince. Um, so if it goes like that, and, you know, say you're creeping into the 75th, 80, 80th minute, and your legs, we got, everyone's got tired legs. Um you know, playing on short rest, what and what have you. The adrenaline is going to come from the crowd. The crowd is going to, the, the players are going to feed off of the crowd. So that just gives that home field advantage. Uh, it, it makes it that much more important. So France has got to be hoping that their that their fans are coming out to that one. Um, but you know, if you get into extra time, you, you know, yeah, because having one ten, one fifteen, one like. I feel like being the host nations and being the host nation, you have an advantage in that, in that aspect. Yeah. I mean, the, the, where, one thing where it could end up hurting France is, I mean, they've already, they went the 120 minutes against Brazil. Um, now there, there will be questions asked of, of Jill Ellis's decisions to, to not make a substitution until what, like the 84th minute yeah. in their game against Spain. The, the United States are the, uh, I believe Taylor Twelman tweeted that the United States women's team they're, they're, they have the best depth out of any nation, and it just seemed like they they didn't utilize that at all. Why didn't Why didn't they maybe? And, and of course, you know, you, I remember I believe it was Allie Wagner, whoever the the color commentator was, um, was saying, well, I mean, you have to look ahead. You know, this could go to extra time. You don't want to put them in too early, but I think you have to your focus primarily needs to be on winning this game before it gets to extra time. So I don't know why those substitutions weren't made sooner. Um, you know, I, they didn't end up making a substitution until they, they had went up again uh, 2-1. You know, you think they have an incredible depth. Uh, I think it would they would have been better served using that, especially to keep some of your best players fresh, to keep some of your key players fresh, uh, because you're going up against a team that is very strong in France, who's the home team, but they've also played 120 minutes. Of course, they have another an extra day, um, a day's rest over the United States. But you know, long games like like the one against Brazil could could end up hurting hurting them if it's if it uh, is close towards the end of it. Now, um, in regards to the rest, um, France do have that extra day. But why is it allowed that a round of 16 matchup between the U.S. and Spain, why is it that Spain have th 
three extra days of rest be- before coming into that. That it one team resting a week and one team resting half a week is that that could make such a big difference. It didn't end up hurting the U.S. as far as the result goes, but that just seems it seems a little a little weird to me um, that that's allowed to happen. And then you know you did you're right. You, there were people criticizing Jill Ellis and um, her substitutions, and I saw one of the things that I saw where they were criticizing her for substituting on Lindsey Horan, um, even though that she was if she got another yellow, she was suspended, which is uh, you can't play in a World Cup with that that worry. If she's on the pitch and you have a lead or you got a, you have a, a one-goal lead or a two-goal lead and you sub her off, you can think, okay, maybe that's the right idea just in case. But if if the manager thinks that this player is the best player to bring on in this situation, you can't think, oh, but what if she gets a yellow card and misses the France game? It, it's not about the France game right now. It's about making sure we get this final result. But a little bit weird given that the lead was already intact and how late the, the change was made. Um and then also that Kristen Press was brought on as the final change when they already had the lead. Um, it didn't make much sense in that aspect either. You, you think, let's bring on someone a little bit more defensive, and they went with Press. So um, it got them through. They're through to play France, but it's... It's, uh, you know, they just squeak by. And like I said, I'm not, it's not that I don't back this U.S. team to go on and win the World Cup. You know, deep down, the fan inside of me says this team's going to go win the World Cup. But the, you know, the other side of it, looking at it without that bias is, um, I don't know that this team gets through the host nation of France. I don't know. I, I wish I was more confident than I am. And... They will have my full support, but it's just, it's just so, so tough. Such a tough matchup um, in the quarterfinal. Um, but I don't know. I think I'd rather play France in the quarterfinal than in the semifinal or the final. So, um, but you know, this is this is the draw they got. You got to beat the best to win, and. You know, a, a tough test on Friday for the US, U.S. Women's National Team. Now, France did play 120 minutes, got through Brazil. Um, let's take a minute to appreciate what we've gotten to see for so many years uh, with Marta leading that Brazil team. Um, you know, she very, very may well be at the next World Cup. She is 33 years old. A 37-year-old playing at a World Cup it wouldn't be a first, but... Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think I think Brazil have a forty-year-old in their team. Yeah, so too. Marta is the best um, that that the women's game has seen um, in this prolonged period. She's just been so impressive for this Brazil team. She's been such a great leader, and I, for one, hope this is not the last we see of her at a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, with with the rising game and how how much everyone's improving, it's probably the last. It might not be the last we'll see of her, but I think we're we're a bit removed from Brazil being, unless you know some people come up in their game and 
they get some new bright young players into that into that setup. Uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing Brazil uh, challenge for a World Cup. You know, obviously Marta is incredible, but she's not the player she used to be. She's not completely dominant and prolific like she was um, of the past World Cups. And you know, everyone else is catching up. So I mean, it's a shame to see her kind of. Um, you know, see her not win winning a World Cup is kind of a shame because of how good she has been uh, for Brazil and for for the game as a whole. And but I mean, she a, a excellent an excellent speech that she gave at the end for the interview where she was talking to the future generation. She could end up being more important uh, to the Brazil game post uh her like after her career based on you know what the, that call for for the motivation for the younger players we could see that really influencing brazil and that'd be something really cool to see if we see young players come in and you know play well and you know gears on it'd be amazing to see someone call back to that moment and you know this is this is her ninth uh competitive tournament between uh world cup and olympic tournaments um she played her first world cup in 2003 hosted in the u.s and uh her first olympics was athens 2004 and we we could see her we're, we're probably going to see her uh next summer at the at the uh, summer olympics with brazil um so she could she could hit 10 10 major tournaments played for brazil which is awesome uh and she she's always been in search of that gold medal and she hasn't gotten it she finished second in, in the 2007 women's world cup and also finished second at the 2004 olympics and the 2008 olympics so she has been oh so close to glory um and not quite reached it but she is a pioneer of the women's game. She's a pioneer of the women's World Cup. She is the highest scorer in a World Cup in World Cup history, men's or women's, and that is not a a record that is going to be broken uh, for for quite some time. That is, she she passed Miroslav Klose, um, who scores sixteen in the men's World Cups. Um, and Marta now with with seventeen, which is awesome. It's awesome that a that a woman owns that record, um, and hopefully that helps grow the women's game even more. Yeah, um, and I do I do want to want to pivot back at some point to the U.S. because I think we could probably dive in. There's some things I want to talk about with with the actual game. What were I mean? Like, what were your thoughts on? Because you asked me what the performance, what my thoughts were on the performance. What are, were your thoughts on on the performance of you know whether it's the whole team or some of the individual players uh in the squad um so i i kind of expected the type of performance we got as far as not being nearly as dominant as they were in the group stage um my biggest takeaway is and it's a takeaway from this match and kind of a question mark for the next is at center forward for the U S Alex Morgan scored five goals in the first game. 
and has not found the back of the net since. And hasn't really, didn't really look all that dangerous against Spain, in my opinion. Um, so, do no, we she see? Got, she got bullied. She do got, we see? Um, do we see Carly Lloyd start? Where you know, she, I mean, that'll be interesting. I think, and that's it's, that's it's a certainly huge worth call from Jill Ellis. That's not just that's not just anything. That is a massive decision. Um. Mm-hmm for Ellis and I would I I would stand behind Jill Ellis on which whichever way she goes here because Alex Morgan is the best striker that the U.S. women's team has she has five um she has five goals in the World Cup all scored in one game but still scored five now she also has not played all that well. Like you said, she was bullied against Spain. Spain's object in that game, Spain's idea was to was to bully the U.S., and it worked for a certain amount of time, but it also ended up giving, they ended up giving away two penalties. So um, that's not, that's not how, that's not the best way to do it. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think the game plan I think the game plan from Spain was was the right approach. I think they probably got away with it too much. He was getting fouled like so much the first half, second half. I'm surprised it took so long for the the ref to finally um, give uh, a Spain player a yellow card because they just kept going at her. But yeah, it it really affected her. And I think that's kind of the way you have to. You have to beat this U.S. team is with that intensity and that physicality because you're not going to beat them talent-wise. Um, but of course, I mean, I think they were probably allowed to do more than they should have been able to because the ref uh, took so long uh, to caution them. But I, I, I'm, I'm concerned with Alex Morgan going up against the center backs of France. Um, if she was getting beat up by Spain center backs, I don't know what's going to happen when she goes up against uh, the likes of. Uh, France's duo. Yeah, um, she's gonna. If she had as much trouble with Spain, she's it's double that at least. She's gonna struggle against France. Now, is Carly Lloyd going to do much better? She, I mean, she physically, I think she has more of a presence, but um, it's it's not one of those situations where it's you know there's flick of the switch. There's just a quick answer. You switch them out and. Your game plan just works perfectly, um, so it's gonna it's gonna be a tough a tough go for the U.S. and you know I'm I'm terrified of the uh, possibility of penalties with this team. I really am. Um, yeah, I mean, I think with with Carly Lloyd, um, I think she's not, not a knock on on uh, Alex Morgan at all. Obviously, I think Alex Morgan's probably you know, I mean, Carly Lloyd isn't as, as young as she once was. Um, but I think she has that more, she has more experience. I think she's a smarter player. Um, that could end up working at, to the U.S. to U.S.'s advantage. Um, and I again, you can always bring on Alex Morgan later on to, to have a crucial goal. We've seen her score crucial goals um, for the United States. Um, but 
something I do want to, I think what's kind of interesting with like something I do want to talk about that I noticed when we were, when I was watching, uh, the game yesterday is, uh, captain of the team, uh, Megan Rapinoe. Uh, you look at, I mean, you look at the United States in the past couple of world cups, you know, we, we first got into it in 2011 where it was, it was very much Abby Wambach, um, team this was like obviously the u.s team is very strong and there were so many good players but she was the star um and they made it to the final you know she played incredible it didn't work out for them the next the next setup you have carly lloyd um where she it was her team you know she had that amazing performance in the world cup final and this year kind of seems like megan rapinoe is the main the main uh force on this team but like Looking at her, like she she was a key part of each of the past two World Cups, and I think it's so impressive what she's been able to do for this team, and just sort of co- like under the radar. She hasn't been like she's been one of the top players the past two World Cups. She's one of the top players this World Cup, but she was also kind of overshadowed by other players um, throughout most of her her national team career. And I just think it's really impressive to see what she's been able to do. Get two goals uh, yesterday. I thought she looked pretty good, mostly in the first half. Um, sort of faded out of the game a little bit, but like she is, she has been really, really impressive for the U.S. and not just this year, but uh, the recent years as well. So with Rapino, um, she is coming off you know, the last World Cup, twenty fifteen World Cup, was a bit controversial for her in the fact that she was injured going into this World Cup, and Jill Ellis still decided to include her in the 23-player squad. Now, um, Rapino was a leader for this team off the field, but didn't quite have the impact that she would have liked to have on the field. And I remember thinking, I, I can't... I, I'm trying to think back to who, should, who I thought should have replaced her on the roster. I... But I did not think that Rapino should have gone to the 2015 World Cup. And I was not alone in this. And, you know, there was a match in the knockout, or, yeah, in the knockout stages where uh, Rapino was subbed on sometime in, like, the 65th minute. This game ended up going to extra time, and Rapino was actually subbed off in extra time. And this was back when there was not an extra sub in extra time. So a player that could not finish 60 minutes of a game, she was subbed on and then subbed off because she wasn't fit. Um, I thought she shouldn't have been there. It didn't end up hurting the U.S. They won the World Cup. So, um, But I feel like she could be taking that controversy of that, you know, the, it wasn't – it ended with the dream result, but it wasn't the dream path that she had envisioned uh, in winning a World Cup. So I feel like she's taking it upon herself now. This team needs a leader. Carly Lloyd's not going to be on the field at all times. I've got more of a shot at that. I'm going to lead this team. And she's doing that. And she's doing it well. But is she as big of a leader as Abby Wambach and as Carly Lloyd were in the past two World Cups? Can she lead this team to the final? I mean, yeah, it remains, it remains to is be she, seen. Is she um, as influential as those two two players were? I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think anyone's going to be as influential as Abby Wambach was. 
Um, I think that's, I don't think, and I don't, and again, I don't think that uh, Rapino has to be as influential as Abby Wambach in order to get to the World Cup final and win it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I did, it, it will be interesting to see. This is, you know, she is the captain of this team. It's going to be interesting to see um, how far she can take them. Because, it, it, I mean, it's not going to, I think it won't, I don't think it will affect her legacy too much either way. But I think it, it could have a big play if she is able to lead this team to World Cup glory. People are going to remember her. And I remember, um, I was, I mean, I was very, I was very glad she, she stepped up for that, that, uh, second second penalty what were your thoughts on the on the penalty on the on the second penalty at least and like not just you know the foul itself uh the call uh and then you know morgan stepping up to take it but then after some time after the review it was rapino that ended up uh stepping up for it well first off it stresses me out more than anything when someone steps up to take a penalty and they're the first ones that step up, and they're not the ones that take the penalty. It yeah. stresses me out more than anything. I feel like there's a whole, you know, I don't, it's like kind of like a jinx on it. Like, oh, they they were unsure about it, so are they going to be unsure about the kick? And it, it ended up being a coach's decision, and I like the fact that the coaches made the decision. They have a set a set order of who's going to take the penalties. They have a plan going into the game. If, you know, it's a scenario that they have to think of. If we get a second penalty, does the first penalty taker take it? If they made it, if they missed it, um, do we want to switch it up and go with someone who, someone else who may not be our first choice penalty taker, but is still going to, has a good shot at making it. You know, it's, it's a psychological uh, decision in, in many aspects, it's not as much yeah. of a tactic I, I, as it is a mind game. And yeah, um, I in in whole, I wanted Rapino to take it, but I was so anxious when Morgan stepped up, and then Rapino was the one who eventually took it. Right. I so once when I saw Morgan going up and saying like she was going to be the one to take it, I I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh please, no, not not Alex Morgan, don't. Nothing, not a knock on Alex Morgan as a player, but like, she doesn't take that many penalties. Also, I felt like that was an emotional decision for her. She was getting beat up all game, um, you know, and they had a chance to take the lead. And I think she saw it upon herself. Like, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come up against this adversity that I've been facing all game and score this goal. That's too much of an emotional decision to be making for a penalty. You don't pick. Um, I don't think you want, you don't want to pick your penalty taker all like a hundred percent based on emotion. Um, you want a more, cause I, I don't think that's the most level headed option for you to take. So once there was time to, uh, think about it, wait, and then Rapino, the coach, obviously there was a coach's decision. I think Rapino offered it to Morgan and then the coaches gave it to Rapino. I thought that was the right move. Of course, you're right, though. When when you're not taking the penalty, when you're not, like, when you're hesitant to take it in the first place and then you take it, that's nervy. Um, but again, I think the decision to even have Morgan take it was, was purely emotional, and I'm glad that it didn't go that way. Honestly, for me, as long as, uh, 
As long as it wasn't Tobin Heath stepping up and taking it. Still a little, mm. uh, a little salty was, on the uh, 2011 was, World Cup. That was eight years ago. It was the worst penalty I've eight. ever seen in my entire life. And that's not true, but my God, it was not good. Poorly hit. Well, yeah, the... Yeah, so Rapino wasn't even in the game at that point. She had gotten subbed out before penalties. And Carly Lloyd skied hers. Um, What was it? Uh, Christina Box? Is that her name? Shannon Box. Yeah. Shannon Box. Missed hers, I think. I think Abby Wambach was the only one who made it, and she was never going to miss that penalty. Yeah, and Abby Wambach Um, was the only one that made it, but she went fourth. Yeah. So... So, rough. As long rough as Shannon going. Box didn't but. step up and take the penalty, I was good. Hmm. But um, I also want to take a time to appreciate the uh, this this midfield for the United States this year. Before we go anywhere else, um, what is it's? I don't know Mewis's first name, but it's Mewis Rose Lavelle Sam and Mewis, Rose Julie Lavelle, Ertz. Julie Ertz. Um, I was I was watching that game. I'm like, it's like Rose Lavelle. She's like a spark plug in midfield. Yeah. She's like so fast. She you create a spark plug. Mewis is kind of like a boss in midfield. She like she's physically imposing, and it feels like Julie Ertz is kind of like a mixture of the two. And Julie Ertz is so impressive, especially considering she used to be a center back, and now she's you know a, a major creative spark in that midfield. I just love watching her midfield and, play. So and it's they're keeping Crystal Dunn out of it. I know Crystal Dunn at left back. Is you know that's the spot they found for with Crystal Dunn can play left back, she can play in the midfield, she can play as a striker. So um, jack of all trades, master of none, apparently. But you're right, the the U.S. midfield has been very good in this World Cup. Mewis and uh, Ertz particularly, but I I really like Rose Lavelle. Um, you know she's still Lavelle is 24 years old. Uh, Mewis is 26, so this, and, and, you know, Art's only 27, so this, this midfield has uh, plenty of time to, to go on and, and do some big things, whether it's winning this World Cup, whether it's getting gold at the Olympics next summer. Um, they're yeah. going to have and it, plenty it of opportunities. it should be added. Yeah, and it should be added. Coming into this World Cup, I think there was a lot of talk about, like a lot of the players on, the, on this women's team were, were hyping, were talking about... Um, Mallory Pugh and how she's kind of like the future of this team and we've barely even seen her we've barely even seen players like Kristen Press um Carly Lloyd I mean obviously she's older but she's making minimal appearances like this is a very deep team yeah which could end up benefiting them if Jill Ellis gets it right and and properly uses the depth that she has yeah and I think she's I think she's doing not a great job at that not just and that's just with, you know, the late subs against Spain. A team this deep, you don't need to have your players playing. Almost every player, yeah. you know, you, you, get, you only get three subs. So the majority of players are playing 90 each time anyway. But to not There's, to yeah. not rotate a little bit sooner to the point that it, it might as well have been your entire starting 11 played the full 90 is questionable from Ellis. And I understand the criticism. Yeah, does she change it? Right. Does she change it up going forward, though? Like, is she going to, are there going to be a couple players who started against Spain that aren't starting against 
France because they're well more well rested. At the end like, of the day, obviously not the key players, but like at, at the end of the day, it's got to be what she thinks is the best eleven. It can't be. Um, well, I think she's in our you know should be in the starting eleven, but she her, you know her legs aren't uh, as fresh as this player. So let's switch it up there. It, you got to go with your best eleven, but you have to rotate in the game. You have to make your subs in the game so that your team can withstand the you know the what they're putting on their bodies, what they're doing to their bodies for for this month to try to to become world champions. Um, yeah, and it should be it should be noted the United States B team is probably in the top five teams in this World Cup. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something that makes Ellis's job a little bit easier, I would say. But not utilizing that makes it just that much more questionable. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they rested a lot of players in their second group stage game. Um. Crystal Dunn is going to be another interesting option. Like I think she's she's done a, a pretty good job in that left back position, but you know she doesn't she hasn't as the game wore on she didn't bring as much to attack as you would have liked, especially considering you're playing someone not in her primary position. You're playing an attacking player more in a defensive position, whereas you have like Allie Krieger on the bench. Obviously she's getting up there, but um, but she is a left back. So you wonder if you know tactically what makes more sense i know you want to play your best 11 but sometimes if you're going up against a stronger attacking team you want to play a little bit more defensive and maybe have an actual left back in and maybe work crystal dunn into the attack in some way whether that be a substitution or from the get-go it'll be it'll be interesting to see now um italy is up 2-0 on china 55th minute but um so it looks like italy are going to get through they'll be the sixth european side qualify for the quarterfinal and then it's up to the Netherlands later today to make it seven European teams and the U.S. in that quarterfinal so um what is that what is that like for not only for all the European teams that are through but for the U.S. to be the odd one out yeah I don't know I mean it it, it's like it feel like it's them against the world it's literally them against Europe yeah, it's yeah. It's Euro twenty nineteen and plus US. Yeah. Almost like the uh twenty nineteen um, Copa America fe- featuring Japan and Qatar. Yeah, unreal. Um I was it's it's interesting to think about. I was I was watching the game and I was like, I wonder what like in terms of the men's game. Cause I wonder I always wonder how the United States is viewed by top nations. Uh in the footballing world. And I think, uh, and I was wondering when I was watching this game about how, you know, the United States, they're outright, the, you know, they're the, the best, they've been the, the overall the best women's team in the world for pretty much, pretty much the entire uh, history of the women's game for the most part. Yeah. Um, or they've been up there at least. Um, I wonder what that does. I wonder how how the United States is viewed as a soccer nation, uh, based on how how the women do, because they definitely if they definitely give our nation a little bit more of credibility, obviously, than the men does in the global game. 
but yeah, I, I was like, I was wondering, I was like, what is like. Cristiano Ronaldo think about the going up against the United States like soccer like and I wonder like what the women's how good the women's team is plays into that uh, the view of, of the U.S. as a soccer nation. I think that just always it just goes back to how much of a head scratcher it is that the U.S. men's team can perform so poorly at times while the U.S. women's team has been the top top team in the world for however many years um, you know already with three World Cups. And, uh, you know, only dating back to 1991. So um, I don't think that – I don't think that they necessarily should be combined. I think that it's okay with thinking of, oh, the U.S. as a men's football nation and then the U.S. as a women's football nation. Um, I don't necessarily think that they need to be paired together. But – if you see a team like France go on and win this Women's World Cup, they're going to be paired together, uh, at least for for the French national teams, considering they would have won World Cups in back-to-back years with the men's and women's teams. So um, it is a bit of a head-scratcher yeah. with with uh, the U.S. and how dominant on one side and how inferior on the other. But I don't know that yeah, they, I also, I I also know wonder that how players think of it like that. Yeah, I also wonder like just how... Like these, like how each team sort of views each other, you know. Like if if Antoine Griezmann or Paul Pogba are watching the women's game, and like like paying close attention to it, I want I I hope they are because, as we talked about it, this the women's game is growing and it's, um, it's not going to slow down anytime soon. It's going to keep on keep on growing and it's going to. You know, hopefully, be around for a long time. It's because this is a great tournament. I, I think more people should be watching this tournament, especially especially in the United States, considering we actually have a shot at it. Yeah, um, and I think the further you go, the more people are going to be on board, and that 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 works with the men's tournament as well. If the U.S. got you know in the group stage, the U.S. men's team, or they're going to get support, but you know they get to the round of sixteen, it's going to be that much more. Then they get to the quarterfinal, it's going to be a big craze, but for the women, they've already, they've already reached the tippy top. So I understand some people saying, ah, they're the best team. We'll watch, we'll watch later on. And that's, that's a, um, that's not a, a fan mentality. That's more of a, uh, oh, why can't I think of the word? The hell is the word? Oh my God. I'm losing it. I'm done. Give me synonyms. Throw them at me. If I could find a synonym for this word, Jared, I would have just said that. Mamba mentality. I guess just that's just the a casual uh, fans. Casual fan that's, mentality. That's the best I can. Yeah. Best I can. Well, because I mean, casual you look at mentality. Yeah. Compare compare the two. You look at the the if the women lose in the round of sixteen, it's the worst performance they've ever had at a World Cup. <laughs> so like they're expected to at the very least make a quarterfinal, and even if they lose in the quarterfinal, that will be a big. De- disappointment for the United States yeah. women's team. The men's team, if they can make like people are surprised when we make the round of 16 and if we win the round of 16 that would be one of the best performances we've ever had in a World Cup. Uh let's be honest, we'll be surprised if we can make the World Cup. Yeah. Well, we we can we finally beat Trinidad and Tobago, so about damn time. A couple yeah, of years too late on the road but... now. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. now we got to head to Trinidad and make sure that we can we can do it on a win a game there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's move to the men's team very shortly before we close out. Um, they have to go up against Panama in the uh, group stage finale. A draw would uh, see the U.S. win the group. Um, draw or win, obviously. A win for Panama, and they win the group. Either way, uh, these two teams are both going to the quarterfinal. Um, they're both going to be playing in Philadelphia on Sunday, June 30th. Just depends on who their opponent is going to be. Um the quarterfinals uh, are halfway set. Haiti and Canada go up on go up against each other on Saturday night, while Mexico and Costa Rica follow them. And then uh, we're waiting on Group C and D to be finished out. Right now, Jamaica leads Group C. El Salvador in second, Curacao in third, and Honduras in fourth. Um, so Jamaica, El Salvador, and Curacao can all still go through. Honduras, the only one eliminated, but for Group D, Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago are done. Um, what match would be the most compelling for you um, out of Jamaica, El Salvador and Curacao for the U.S. to go up against in the quarterfinal of this Gold Cup? Uh, well, I mean, it'd be Jamaica considering we lost to them in the tune-up game. Um, I think... Why? I think that why did they play a team from the Gold Cup? Well, like why? Why did they say, "Hey, we need a tune-up for the Gold Cup"? All right, let's play a team that's going to be in that tournament. I would rather just play someone else. Yeah, play. Uh, yeah, like play like Ghana or something. I don't know. Afcon's going on, my guy. Come on. Okay, so what isn't going on? European tournaments play. Yeah, sure, play a sure. European team. Why not? But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this Panama game, um, especially because it looks like the U.S. are really starting to gra- find their footing um, with this squad in this tournament. Uh, a very strong performance against Trinidad and Tobago, and let's hope that they go into every game as if they're playing against Trinidad and Tobago with a chip on their shoulder, because they, they should. They do have a chip on their shoulder, not just against Trinidad, but against the entirety of CONCACAF because they should be considered, the, at the very least, the second-best team in CONCACAF. Um, that should never be a question whether or not... It should only be a question, are they the best team or are they the second-best team? They should not have dropped down to even third behind Costa Rica or even fourth and fifth like they did uh, in the last World Cup cycle. Panama will be a big game, too, because Panama was the team that made the World Cup instead of them. So um, I, I hope they come come out and really show up for that game. Um, and, you know, it'd be, I would, I, I, I would, I'm rooting for a, a, a Mexico-U.S. final. I don't think the U.S. will beat Mexico because Mexico are doing very well right now, especially with uh, Martino in charge there now that is that is a team to be reckoned with coming up with the next the next world cup i think they're going to be a really exciting team in the next uh big tournament outside of the gold cup but i think they're they're pretty much favorites to go on and and win this gold cup i would love to see the u.s take it from them 
Yeah, so we last week we were talking about the Gold Cup, and I you know mentioned how I had absolutely zero interest um, in in the in the Gold Cup. You know, I said when it gets to the knockout round, may I, maybe I'll pay attention, but I have zero interest. So I went from that to possibly going to the quarterfinal. Um, how I landed there, not really sure. Got off a day of work that I expected to be working. I'm available Sunday. I might go. Um, I really would like it to be Jamaica, but Jamaica, I don't think, is going to uh, lose to Curacao or have a result where it gets them to you know finish second at least. Um, so right now, if, if it ended today, it would be against El Salvador. So... Um, but you know, if, if I do go to this quarterfinal, it'd actually be the first U S game I've been to playing out in Philly. Oh really? I have not seen the U S men's national team. So, uh, I saw them out here in a friendly. Yes, you did. You saw them at the StubHub center, right? 2013 or something like that. 2013? No, 2016. With the likes of Steve Birnbaum playing. Oof. Legend. Louis Robles. Yeah, you know, um, but that was against Iceland. That was against Iceland. That was a pretty cool game. I mean, Sigurdsson wasn't there, but I think we won like a late on a late goal. I don't remember exactly. Sounds like but... a, a big memory for you. Yeah, it was fun. Um, so the Group C uh, finales are tonight and Group D tomorrow night. So we will have the answers uh, for. The quarterfinal completely set after tomorrow. Um, anything else to add before we uh, close it on out? Um, no, no. I mean, let's go. Let's go U.S. Let's go U.S. And, Power to uh, the females. Just saying you're welcome to all those listeners that made it all the way, all the way through this one. No ad break. We did not interrupt you with an ad break this time. It's only because we absolutely forgot to do so. But you're welcome. Well, we barely switched. We barely switched any topic just until like the final five minutes. So that is that is to be expected. But uh, please follow us on Twitter at Footy Do on Instagram at Footy Do. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We're pretty much pretty much there. Um, this has been Footy You Do, a delusional soccer podcast. Footy You Do, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, that's a fake definition. Don't look it up anywhere, but it's a definition that is very important to this podcast. Thank you for listening, and please pardon our French. <laughs>